Welcome to the Boosted Volunteer Podcast. We share the stories of dedicated Booster Club volunteers and the tools and strategies they use to run successful booster clubs. We also have sought out experts on fundraising, volunteer management, and running nonprofits to share best practices. Hosted by Robin Eisler and Evan Eisler, you won't want to miss these great episodes that will help you run your booster club like a champ. Welcome to the Boosted Volunteer. I'm your host, Evan Eisler, and today we're interviewing my co-host, as well as the founder and CEO of Booster Hub, Robin Eisler. Hi, Robin. Hi, Evan. How are you? It's always good to have an interview with you. I'm good. It's great to have you on today. Today, we're going to be reviewing fraud in Booster Clubs. Here at Booster Hub, we've seen a lot of fraud. It comes in many different forms. How often does fraud occur? What are some examples you see? You know, it's interesting because I just went on Google and I did a search and looked for recent fraud in Booster Clubs. And I took the examples that showed up for the past six months. So the examples we're going to talk about today are just what I found on Google in the past six months. Okay, wow. So it must be occurring a lot. You You know, if you can find six examples in a couple minutes on Google, it's happening a lot. So point of these are I wanted to show the different ways that it occurs, the amounts and kind of the stories behind what have happened. So a few months ago or a year ago in North Carolina in Charlotte, in a booster club, $200,000 was embezzled by booster club officers. It was a husband and wife writing checks to themselves and using the booster club credit and debit cards to pay for personal expenses. This particular couple also happened to be on the board of the booster club during COVID. And they actually used the booster club and applied for COVID relief funds and got those funds and spent the funds personally. So this was a really complex case. But it's just interesting how they not only took funds, but then you know applied for government funds. So there was a lot of fraud going on here. So just a crazy case and a couple hundred thousand dollars taken from the club. Wow. Yeah. $200,000 is a lot, especially for a booster club. Yeah. You know, when you're working hard to raise $1,000 at a bake sale and somebody steals 200000 it can be pretty disheartening. Yeah. Another example here in Texas, in San Antonio, there was misuse of thousands of dollars from a booster club. The treasurer had been using the booster club credit cards for personal use. We've seen a lot of booster clubs transition to using debit cards, not always credit cards, but frequently debit cards. And that's great. And there's a lot of good things about that. But you can't have just one treasurer who looks at the books and presents the financial statements and is the only one with the financial logins. You really need additional people to be checking those accounts and just having multiple eyes on both your bank accounts, your record keeping, and what's happening you know, with any type of debit or credit card. Now, uh, I understand you were the president for Booster Club in the past. Did you see any examples of this in your own club? You know, the biggest opportunity I saw for fraud and theft in our Booster Club was with cash. And so, you know, the simple and easiest way to avoid theft in a Booster Club is avoid cash. So all of the cases that we're talking about was were typically fraud with electronic money because we could find it. So none of this covers, you know, how much cash is just going missing from booster clubs because there's no record of it. I walked out of a tournament. We'd had a big volleyball tournament for three days. And I walked out of that tournament with $7,200 in cash. And we had done everything all the guidelines say. We had counted the money. Two people had signed off on the cash tally sheet to say this is how much money was there. The problem was I had the money and the cash tally sheet. 
And also, there was no one following up to make sure that $7,200 actually made it to the bank account. So I thought to myself, it's almost dangerous. I'm walking out of the school at 10 o'clock at night with $7,200 in my purse. No one knows I have it except for the person that signed the form. If I happen to lose the sheet, there's no accountability for the $7,200. So you need to think about those things when you're handling large sums of cash. And really with all the contactless payments and all the credit card payments, electronic payments out these days, it's kind of silly to be uh, collecting cash. It's just more work. You have to count it. You have to drive it to the bank. You have to deposit it. It can be stolen. There's just a lot of drawbacks to using cash nowadays. And with your experience with all this potential for fraud and uh, the different ways it can appear, I assume a lot of that has gone into how you've developed Booster Hub and what you... A lot of our tools in Booster Hub had come out of these personal experiences where we're like, hey, we need a check and balance for that. But even if you're not using Booster Hub with any other system, there's a lot of ways that you can put checks and balances in place. We'll talk about those in a few minutes. I just want to give you a few more examples. So in Minnesota, $40,000 was stolen uh, by just writing checks for personal expenses. Again, this was a treasure. In Friendswood, Texas, a huge sum, $253,000 stolen from a booster club. This was a treasure that had been the treasure for four years. She got a 10 years in prison for this, but she was just writing checks for personal expenses. And this happens a lot. It wasn't until a new treasure came in and then went back and was, you know, trying to figure out starting balances and get ready for the year that they started to discover there were all these discrepancies. And the new treasurers are usually the ones who find that the treasurer before them had been stealing or embezzling or something like that. Another example up in Illinois, the athletic secretary who was the treasurer was keeping two sets of books. So one set of books were the actual numbers and another set were showing the money she wasn't stealing. She stole almost $45,000 from that athletic booster club. And then another example, a cheer booster club in Pennsylvania, $47,000. The person wasn't a treasurer. The person had collected the money in their Venmo and never transferred their Venmo into the booster club. So a downside of using something like Venmo that has a personal login, you know, if you are doing that, well, you really shouldn't be. But if you are, you need to make sure that money's actually making it into the booster club account. Yeah, it seems to be kind of the common theme is one person in charge of it. And there's no checks on that. So they say, you know, they have that amount of money, then they have that amount of money. No one counteracts that. It seems to be the way. You know, in a lot of booster clubs, the financials are the burden of that or the responsibility that is put on the treasurer. And you just assume that the treasurer is doing all the things they're doing. So if the treasurer is the one with the login to your accounting tool or has the spreadsheet, they're the only one with the login with the bank, and they're only one seeing the bank statements, you've just created a lot of opportunities if that person happens to be dishonest for them to easily make withdrawals and things like that. So it's always important, even if you do have some checks and balances in place, like two signers on a check and expenses must be approved. If you're not looking at the back end, what actually happened in doing your bank reconciliations, you're not going to know that those are the actual things that happened. So it's really important to have multiple people who have visibility to bank statements, uh, record keeping, and things like that. Now, obviously, with uh, money being stolen from a club, it can impact it. But what are some other ways that this fraud can impact a club negatively? You know, it's really a sad thing because when these clubs have this kind of money stolen, they don't just lose the money. The whole booster club has to start over and be rebuilt. It loses momentum. 
it takes an enormous amount of time from the volunteers to find the discrepancies and then prosecute them. And then at the same time, do the job that they're to do, which is to rally volunteers for the kids. So it's really sad that you see this in these organizations. But here's the truth. A lot of booster clubs are, you know, they're all run by volunteers. A lot of them don't have checks and balances. So it's an easy place for people who may not have the best of intentions to take advantage of people who are doing their best and trying to give to the kids. And so it's a really sad situation. And so the most important thing you can do for your booster club outside of rallying, you know, your volunteers and raising money is making sure you're keeping tabs on everything and you've got good systems to check and balance and make sure that what's supposed to be there is there and there's nothing unapproved going out. Yeah, man, it sounds like it can be pretty detrimental to the club with all the fraud and everything in the, not just that year, but many years down the road. What are some ways you found that are best ways to limit fraud in a club? It's a great question. You know, just to back up just a minute, the group in Texas, the Booster Club in Texas, they actually reached out to the community and the community helped them raise the funds because they were short of funds for the next school year. The kids weren't going to be able to have their activities. So it really does just take a lot of work to rebuild that momentum. And then sometimes people don't want to donate because they know that money got stolen, so they don't want to donate again. But the best ways to limit fraud are, number one, use as little cash as possible. Because again, the cases that we're talking about are all electronic payments. We have no idea how much cash was actually taken from those clubs. The second thing you can do is verify your logins and make sure that anything that is online has multiple people that can see it. You know, you always want to protect your bank account password. You don't want too many people to have that. So generally, only the treasurer has that. We'll give it to the treasurer and the president and then maybe a third party who's just a volunteer so that three people can look at that. Make sure you're seeing those bank statements every month, the actual bank statements from the bank. Make sure they're being reconciled. If you have an approval system, make sure that the expenses that have been approved match with what actually went out. If you use an accounting software such as QuickBooks, make sure that multiple people have access to that. It should not just be your treasurer. In Booster Hub, we actually have a read-only access, so you can give many people access to your accounting. They can't edit it. They can't make changes, but they can see it. And we think that's a great check and balance in the system. The third thing, don't just rely on reports given by the treasurer. So when they come to your monthly board meeting, they should be presenting bank statements, monthly reports of the income and expenses, and any other backup information. Things like receipts and check requests and cash tally sheets, those should be available by request so that you can see those. But just make sure you've got a lot of systems in place. And then mentioning all those things, number four is create processes. But make sure those processes match today's technology. So one of the most popular processes in a booster club is to have two signers on every check. Well, that's great. But most of our clubs use electronic banking today. So they send it right onto their bank account. So no one actually signs the check. So having two signers on a check doesn't make any sense. So you need to think about that. If most of your expenses are being paid by debit card, well, that doesn't require a signer. So require some process for debit card charges that require a receipt to be submitted, you know, an approval or a reason why or things like that. So just make sure that you're creating the processes that they match your technology that you're using and that then you're following those processes. 
And then the final thing that what I think is one of the most important things, and I see the fewest number of booster clubs doing, is doing an audit. So that means somebody not on your booster club board, but a third party helps if they have an accounting background, but they don't have to. They're simply going through and people get scared of the audit word, right? Like they're like, oh, this is really hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just making sure that for every withdrawal from the bank account, there was an approval or a request or a receipt and it matches something that was in our budget. And I guess we should start there. Create a budget so you know how much you should be spending. (laughs) Right? So, you know, we have some clubs we've seen, you know, I remember a football program and they said, budget, we just write the coach checks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great, but who knows how much and when and how much do you have to fundraise? So like start with step one, create a budget. So there's some framework or guidelines of what actually should be being spent. And then make sure when you do your audit that the expenses and the budget, they should be pretty darn close. I mean, we all know there are always circumstances that cause you to go outside a budget, but just some simple things that you can really do to prevent theft and fraud in your booster club, save a lot of time and energy and make sure the money gets to the kids. Well, going off all those ways to prevent fraud in developing Booster Up, what are some of your favorite tools or things that Booster Up does that allows clubs to prevent as much fraud as possible and not have to worry about it? You know, it's a good question. In Booster Hub, we have a couple of tools in our accounting system that you won't see in a program such as QuickBooks. The first one is our check request feature. And that can be used for check requests and also debit card charges. And that's just a way for any member of the Booster Club to submit the charge and the receipt and either request reimbursement or just submit it for documentation on the debit card side. And then it can be approved by the officers of the club. So it gives you an electronic record. You've got all the data and information stored. And then it flows into the accounting system so you can easily create the entry in the accounting system to show that the expense was paid. We also have the cash tally sheet that we use to count money used in concessions. Again, I'd go cashless if I were running a booster club today. It's easy to do. You can get away with it, if you will, because so many of the school districts have gone cashless. So I think it's an easy thing to do. And then finally, reconcile. So we have a great reconcile system in Booster Hub. And that's just important to make sure what's flowing in and out of your bank is what matches your check request and your cash tally sheets. And then, as I mentioned, we've got those admin settings where you can have multiple people that have read-only access to accounting so they can see everything going in and out. And that attaches our credit card systems attached to that. So on the credit card side, you see everything. Cash, again, has a little less visibility and another reason why we recommend not using cash. Well, it sounds like today there's a lot of tools to help clubs prevent fraud inside themselves, especially when it's a detrimental thing to the club. And I'm glad to see that there's many ways to go about preventing it. Absolutely. A lot of ways to do it. And, you know, we always have to remember the mission here, and that's to support the kids. And unfortunately, we do need to take these steps to help protect our booster clubs and make sure that the funds are going to the right place and not being taken advantage of by people with bad intentions. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for coming on today, Robin. It was was great talking with you and wishing you the best of luck. Thanks, Evan. It's always good to do an episode with you. The Boosted Volunteer is brought to you by Booster Hub. To find out more about Booster Hub and how our app can help you improve communications, increase engagement, raise more money, and manage your Booster Club responsibly, visit www.boosterhub.com. And then make sure to search for Booster Club Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found.
make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Booster Hub, thanks for listening.